You like Huey Lewis and the news? They're okay. Their early work was a little too new wave for my taste. But when sports came out in 83, I think they really came into their own, commercially and artistically. In 87, Huey released this. Four, their most accomplished album. I think their undisputed masterpiece is Hip to Be Square. A song so catchy, most people probably don't listen to the lyrics, but they should, because it's not just about the pleasures of conformity and the importance of trends, it's also a personal statement about the band itself. Hey, Paul! You fucking stupid in the news said, It's hip to be spoilers. This is oh, yeah. spoilers. <laughs> it's hip to be sound just like him, and I feel like this podcast is really coming to its own, artistically and commercially. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Spoilers. I'm your host, Pappy. Back at the movie game after a few Patreon requests. <laughs> we're going to introduce the guys. Some people wanted to know the opening questions. Some people wanted to keep it a surprise. Uh, what I'd like to know is what is your Patrick Bateman morning routine? Try and be as specific as possible. Like, what time do you wake up? When do you finish jerking off? When do you get in the shower? As many <laughs> details as you can provide. So we'll go east to east because Corey knew about this ahead of time. Corey? There is an idea of Kylo Ren memes. Some kind of abstraction. <laughs> but there is no real Kylo Ren memes. Only an entity. Something illusory. Now, hi, this is Corey, Kylo Ren memes, recording out of Simi Valley, California. You know, Pappy, I don't really have much to say about this. Uh, I mean, it might be amusing to some people. It might be embarrassing to me. So I'll just kind of go through it real quick. Uh, generally the night before I go to sleep, I put on the clothes that I want to wear the next day. Um, I don't sleep in pajamas. <laughs> Wait, like do you sleep in jeans? Okay. This is American psycho shit. What are you talking about? <laughs> what a classic star. Break, oh right? my God. This is the first detail. <laughs> Holy shit. We this haven't even concerning. gotten up in the morning yet. <laughs> what do you, I missed it. Do you wear pajamas or what? Nah. I just go to sleep, okay? He also calls them pajamas. I put what on the clothes. What is your nightcap of human blood? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm going to wear it the next day. <laughs> I wake up in the morning at around 7.30. I get up, and I walk to my car, and I drive to work wearing the clothes, and I brush my teeth <laughs> in the car, and I eat breakfast in the car, and then I arrive at work. What's breakfast? Protein shake right now, but it, it changes. Where do you spit in the car if you're brushing your teeth? Out the window? Probably in a cup. No, I use uh, disposable uh, toothbrushes that don't require water. We're spitting. What? They're, they're called wisps what kind by Colgate. What California crap are you talking about? How long is your commute? <laughs> uh, 25 minutes, maybe. Why don't you just wake up half an hour earlier? Hell no. At seven. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm sure about? he hasn't thought of that, Mikey. Don't throw the system <laughs> off balance, yuppie scum. <laughs> what do you have to wear to work? <laughs> Aren't they wrinkly or what? I look great, okay? I look great. 
You wear jeans to bed? Sometimes, not always. Okay, sometimes I'll sleep without my pants on, but I'll at least put on the shirt I'm going to wear the next day. Are they Jinkos at least? <laughs> That's my blanket. It's a blanket of Jinkos. Give yourself the satisfaction and roominess. Oh, man. Mikey, is your morning routine as unhinged as Corey's? <laughs> I can't top that, okay? I, don't, I have no idea uh, how to follow that up. But I usually, the alarm goes off at 7. I hit the snooze, kind of wake up at 8. I don't have to go to work <laughs> until 2.15. So I don't got to leave until one forty-five. So on a good day, I'll stretch and work out, brush teeth, all that stuff. Uh. But I just, I, Corey threw me off so hard. I don't have any idea how to follow that up. Yeah, my day doesn't really start till two. So let's hear Pappy's answer. Okay. This is Pappy recording from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Not the most next weestus, but I, my alarm goes off at seven every day and I snooze it till 745 every single day. I don't. Do you guys have like the snooze dreams? Like when I snooze, oh yeah, mom, I have the wildest dreams. Like in that like little bit of time, I freaking live for those dreams. Is that how you know you slept? You're like I I dreamt a little bit, so I guess I got some sleep in. <laughs> I feel like I always mm-hmm. have that yeah. thought. <laughs> I've been in that in between state where I like if you don't know if you slept, that means you did, but you didn't sleep well. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's pretty typical. I feel like it's usually pee, coffee, poop turn on my computer and just start working um pretty simple nice uh, nothing nothing too crazy who's next week is stevie you, you you're up way earlier than mikey or i yeah so usually i try to wake up at 4 45 every morning damn Jeez. kobe then i say i try sometimes it's like 508 and it's a mad dash throughout the house like brushing my teeth you know, through the house as I get ready and then dropping it off in the bathroom it doesn't belong. Then waking up the next morning and not having my toothbrush there. It can be very aggravating. Um, but yeah, it's a mad dash. Uh, try to be out the door by like 520. So that way I can hit like Dunkin' Donuts before I head into work like with a big coffee and sandwich. And I try to be at work between 6 and 6.05 every day. And it's, um, yeah, it's a mad scramble most mornings. Waking up that early is really hard. So you wake up just a few hours after we finish podcasting. Oh, yeah. And you guys never hear me bitch about it, do you? Uh, you're usually the reason we're late, so. Well, I just got done listening to an old podcast of ours, Stevie, where you said that you had a superpower where you don't need much sleep. I don't need it. I really don't. I like that. Pat knows that, right? They say it's like 2% of the population doesn't actually need I'm in eight it. hours of sleep. I really believe that's Stevie. Like, for as long as I've known him, the man does not sleep. I really believe that by the time you're 40, you're going to have a mental breakdown. And, oh, no. Uh, I'm so <laughs> resilient, bro. <laughs> Why would you put that on him? You're, I'm so resilient. Resilient. At 30, you're resilient at 31. At, things change. Brett, <laughs> he's had time to think this through. You put that voodoo on me. <laughs> He's been doing it every day. It's typical old man behavior. You know, it's always like, when you're, when you're older, that's going to come back to haunt you, Sonny. <laughs> Your back doesn't hurt now. I'll put it this way. So <laughs> someone once told me, because like, I've been doing this since I was like, probably since I was 23. Someone once said, well, wait till you have kids. And I have two. And I'm still hanging in there. You sleep even less now. Yeah. So not too worried about it. Josh, you got some kids. I do. How much sleep are you getting? 
What are you doing first thing in the morning? Josh from Goshen here. I uh, got some kids, so every night is kind of a musical chair bed Peter thing. Peter Pan's got kids? It starts out with my wife and I in a bed, and my other daughter's Ooh, in one room. Hey now. Yeah, it's pretty saucy. And then my daughters <laughs> hey are in another room, and within an hour or seven hours, one of them will come over, and then my wife usually goes to that one. So, like, people aren't continually just waking up and changing rooms. So honestly, on any given morning, I wake up with like a, a daughter on the other side of the bed. So right away, I'm just sneaking around, <laughs> sneak into the bathroom. You know, it's the kind of thing where you shut shut the door quietly, then turn the light on, then turn on the shower, then go to the bathroom so the flush isn't loud over the shower that they already got used to. I'm gonna add some Patrick Bateman details in here. I do. Use shamp- I do shower in the morning. I use shampoo and conditioner and body wash. Mm. And the conditioner is something I just started using like two or three years ago. Like, huge mistake my whole life. Go for the conditioner. Someone once told me it wasn't for me. Sorry, Mom. You were wrong. I really should have had conditioner. Like, the first 30 years of my life would have been nice. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> uh, I finished that up. And another new thing in the last three or four years that I do is I do use moisturizer in the morning. I don't go like Look full at you, Patrick Payne. No, I don't go full mask and I don't do all these low like uh like formulas. But I just do like some lotion. I have pretty like dry skin. And I thought this was gonna be like a weird thing, but like Corey obviously outshone us all. But I like just wear my undershirt on my way to work. And then when I actually get to work, I'll like put on deodorant and put on my over shirt, like mm. a dress shirt over the top. Fresh. I have had a couple like coworkers kind of like see me doing that in the parking lot while they're pulling in at the same time. And they've kind of given me shit. But that's not that weird, right? I have like a 40 minute commute. So like they brought it up to you. They're like, hey, I saw you like putting a shirt over your head or something like everything going okay. Like just giving me shit. <laughs> oh, those people are the worst. <laughs> Don't mind their business. <laughs> do you brush your teeth at work, Josh? No, I do that before I shower. Because I've done it before, and I don't judge. Why did you ask that? Because, like, I've seen people, like, brush your teeth at work. Some people have an issue with it. Some people don't. You got a pretty decent commute, Josh. Yeah. Don't you think it? it's nice to have, like, just put on a fresh shirt right before you walk in instead of, like, feel like you're wearing it out just on, like, a nearly hour drive in the morning? You do have a long commute. That's true. I want to ask the guys who go into work. We'll, we'll keep going with this real quick. But poop at work or poop at home work. in the morning? Might as well get paid. I'm pooping all day, <laughs> baby. When I, when I drove to work, I always pooped at work. I was like, get to my desk and straight to the pooper first thing. No, I, I can't go to the bathroom re- immediately after waking up. I, I need like 30 minutes to an hour, so that's why I go to work. Something that you spoilers boys made me feel so much better about. I don't know if we talked about this on pod or off air, but like... I always poop on a different floor at work, and you guys all said you do the same mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. if possible. It's, and it's like, yeah, you. Got, I mean, you got to do it. Anyone listening, you're not weird. It's the it's the norm. Yeah, I don't have that luxury. I used to be anti poop at work, uh, just because. Yeah, <laughs> until the accident. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, since like starting so early in morning coffee and food, it, just, it hits. It's impossible to avoid. If no. you're not, it, you have a stomach of steel. I could yeah. not do that. Brett, 
you're pooping at work. What else are you doing? Wait, I got one more question first. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you guys are pooping and somebody else comes in, do you just completely stop until they leave? <laughs> See, that's like my thing. Is like even if I really have to go, if there's someone else in there, I'll like I just have to wash my hands and walk out. <laughs> like I need to be alone. And like mm-hmm. w- when I'm alone in there, it's a mad dash to get that fucker out. Do you have loud flushers? Yes. Okay, so I th- I always thought only the initial blast is loud. So when that's about to happen, even if someone's next to you, hit that flusher. It'll drown all the sound out. No, dude, the ones that where I work. They will splash the hell out of your ass. Oh yeah, it's, mm. it happens. Like a bidet. It's nice. <laughs> you got to take cover. I just hold my breath and try to stay completely silent. And like when it's one of those people that dally with like their hair while they're washing their hands, oh. I'm like, you mother, f-. like get the fuck. Out. I know you're pooping. <laughs> they're testing me, Mikey. They <laughs> see your shoes. Do you ever take a work poop and it spans the poop of like one of your colleagues? Like you're pooping and he gets in and poops and leaves and you're still on the toilet the whole time. That's embarrassing. That's so embarrassing. Well, you're in a standoff with him. Like who's going to push and make noises first? Who's making the first move here? And you don't want to meet at the wash at the hand washing. Oh, that's make eye contact in the mirror. Hey, John, I couldn't help that. It sounded like you were constipated. Uh, and then you hit him a pill or something. Your bowel movement sounds a little loose. <laughs> you need some fiber. Brett, morning routine. Okay, so I'm not a morning person. I shower at night. Uh, I wake up. I set my alarms for like 825 and 829. I usually get up around 8.50. Uh, I go pee. I, depending on what's going on, sometimes step on the scale. Uh, then I take my medicine, uh, brush my teeth, put deodorant on, come out, get dressed, uh, kiss my wife goodbye. I either go grab my lunch if I made it that before, which is pretty much just a bag full of drinks, and then uh, maybe a couple other small things. And then I get in the car and I go to work. Hand grenades. I need to know about this bag full of drinks. Yeah, is this a postal bag? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's two like uh, Kroger bags. All milk. Uh, I-, I learned the hard way. You got to have. You got to have two. Kroger or Meyer. It's uh, I got four sixteen point nine ounce Diet Mountain Dews, and if I have it, a uh, sixteen ounce Monster. Four sixteen point nine ounce Diet Mountain Dews. Well, those are what the bottles are now. That's what they sell. Are you wired know. all day? No. Just a liquid lunch? No, but I do take Adderall as well. And I'm, so yes. <laughs> no, Brett. I'm pretty much a dragon. Yeah. Brett, what but, if you just subbed one of them out for 16.9 ounces of water? Dude, one. I drink water I drink water all day long, so... You drink that much liquids? Damn. I never realized I drank that much liquid, and Brittany's like, she can't believe how much I drink, because I drink that. <laughs> that's just at work. And I probably drink anywhere from... Three to four water bottles while I'm at work. One on the way to work. Probably two when I get home and probably two to three pops. I'm sorry, but Brett has my whole life that I've known him had to go pee so often. And now I finally know why. I didn't know you were consuming this much liquid ounces. That's not exactly why. I had some bladder problems. But yeah, I mean, I do drink a lot of liquid for sure. 
I like Sorry, to stay man. lubricated. Not trying to bust you out, but it's okay. <laughs> but uh, for shower, it's just Head and Shoulders, Green Apple, and uh, Irish Spring, baby. That's all I need. I do, I do want to lift the curtain a little bit, Josh. You came on and said. This movie sucks at the beginning of the podcast. The reason I wanted to ask oh. about morning routines is that this movie starts with Patrick Bateman's morning routine. Can you take us through uh, who Patrick Bateman, Christian Bale, the titular, or the uh, the main character of American Psycho? Um, what's what's his life like? Okay, Christian Bale is an American psycho. <laughs> nice Harvard grad. He's works on Wall Street for a prestigious firm. He's trying to climb his way up even further up the ladder. And his day-to-day is meticulous. He has he's like a pretty sharp guy. So he uses that to like improve his body and his business sense. And I don't know. He he does a lot of moisturizer, like five layers of moisturizer, a lip balm, some like magic potion stuff around his eyes or something. I don't know. Then I apply an herb mint facial mask, which I leave on for 10 minutes while I prepare the rest of my routine. I always use an aftershave lotion with little or no alcohol, because alcohol dries your face out and makes you look older. Then moisturizer, then an anti-aging eye balm followed by a final moisturizing protective lotion. There is an idea of a Patrick Bateman. Some kind of abstraction. But there is no real me. Only an entity. Something illusory. And though I can hide my cold gaze, and you can shake my hand and feel flesh gripping yours, and maybe you can even sense our lifestyles are probably comparable, I simply am not there. Pappy, is the main part of this just like, he also lives in opulence all the time? Like, every meal is like one of the best sit-down restaurants in New York, and I think that's a big point that the movie is kind of always making, too. There's a word that's been lost from our culture. It's Opulence. yuppie. And, oh. Well, I was going to say, like, I, I don't know. I feel like that was associated with people in the 80s. You don't really hear 80s yuppie anymore. But no. what is a yuppie? Uh, yuppie uh, stands for young urban professional. Um, you pretty much just Yee. see him. Young urban professional E. Yeah, E. Sorry, e. Actually, it's P. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You see a bunch of them. It's all just people like Patrick and them trying to climb the corporate ladder, briefcase, just all stuff like that. There was uh, that doesn't get the credit it it deserves, but there was you know a counterculture in the eighties of people. You know, like you got your Festin, Fester, and his two buddies. They had a bumper sticker and three ninjas that said, Die, yuppie scum, <laughs> which is also in this movie. Yep. <laughs> so it's just corporate ladder, just that grind. I don't know. I mean, there's a, probably a little bit more to it than that. But Corey, did anything stick out to you to Patrick Bateman's grind or just his general existence as a, as a VP in what Pierce and Pierce? I think the company <laughs> is called. You're asking what stuck out to me about Bateman? Yeah, just at the beginning and I don't know, just the movie in general as we're getting to know the American Psycho. Well, we get to know him on the most superficial level, right? When he describes himself, he describes his possessions and his living arrangements and uh, his routine, but it's all so um, plastic, right? As Patrick Bateman is, and he eventually gets to the... 
It's also Plastech. <laughs> Sorry. I derailed you. <laughs> but we eventually get to the point in his introduction monologue where he says, you know, I think he ends it with, I am simply not there. And we see that unfold uh, pretty, um, at first, like, subtly, but more and more as time goes on. He's, he's a man that is playing a role in his society that he's a part of, which happens to be high society in the 80s in New York. Uh, but underneath it all, you know, he's starting to crack. And I think the first instance of that is when we see him at a nightclub and he tells the bartender something to the effect of, uh, you're an ugly bitch, I want to kill you and play with your blood. Or something horrific like that. Does he tell the bartender that? Good question. Let's not do uh, that till later because that could be one hundred percent. He doesn't. Okay, sorry to interrupt, Corey. No, no, no. I feel like we should because this is spoilers, and I, I don't know because rewatching this movie, once you know the spoiler, where some of the things may or may not be true, it, it kind of calls into question: Did anything happen? Right. It's an unreliable narrator. Yeah. I want to put this out there. I. Have you heard of the Now Playing podcast, y'all? I hate them. I fucking hate them so much. <laughs> Fuck that podcast, bro. I listened to their American Psycho, and they never once took the position that maybe this was all a fantasy. Huh? They just talk about. They just talked about when was his actual first murder? Was it one of the on-screen ones, or was it like when he has the bedcloths and there's cranberry cherry juice on it, or is it before that? And I, they never once mentioned that, like, hey, everything that gets violent is actually f- false. And maybe this is my own Brigsby Bear stance, or maybe this is already well known on the internet. I don't know where y'all are at, but I feel like the violence doesn't happen in this movie, and including when he, the first instance of him blowing up at this bar, they use a mirror, which is like a classic mm-hmm. movie cliche, and the categorically, the bartender doesn't react to that at all. Like, it's just in his head, right? I think it's this perfect in-between space, right? Where the things he says, he could very well be saying to these people, and they're so caught up in themselves and their own lifestyles that they just don't hear him uh, due to their own, like, Mm self-absorption. I think it's intentionally, like, playing in that middle ground. There's a lot of dialogue where they're just like not listening to each other at all, and like they're constantly not recognizing each other or <laughs> misidentifying mm-hmm. other people in the movie. But Stevie, there's one object of desire in this yuppie culture that's more covetous, more enviable, the ultimate status symbol. It's the perfect business card. Yes, exactly. Can you tell us about the the rivalry of the business cards. You know what? It just kind of seems on, it actually makes sense in this movie and kind of in real life. Cause I could see people getting competitive over a business card, but really they're all the same damn thing. They're just different shades of white with different textures. And it's, Whoa. What? They're the exact the same. You, you have no eggshell. You, white? you think eggshell is the same as bone? This Come is bone. On. That's happy. This is bone. <laughs> I would expect that from colorblind brother Jordan, not from you, Stevie. <laughs> Come on. It might be the best joke in the movie where they show 
a card that looks exactly the same as the other card, and they all react like it's like, the <gasps> most groundbreaking thing ever. I also like it when they're all kind of pissy, and especially like in Patrick's monologue, like, God fucking damn it. You know, especially with um, Paul Allen's. Everybody's yeah. like, oh my. <laughs> Look at Paul. Patrick, you're sweating. Oh my. <laughs> Exquisite. Um, but yeah, it's um, it actually is one of the better jokes in the entire movie is the business card. I love the sound effects too <laughs> with the business card. <laughs> Great memes came out of this scene. Great memes. This is one of the most memed movies of all time, right, Corey? Yeah. You're a 100%. meme expert. There's there's almost I, is there a movie that has more memes than American Psycho? I mean, maybe Revenge of the Sith, but I mean, this is up there. <laughs> and I don't know mm. where that came from, right? In the meme community just adopted this movie something like eight years ago, and it's stuck ever since. I think, you know, a lot of people discover this movie through memes. For example, <laughs> my 14-year-old brother-in-law recently told me that he watched American Psycho. And I didn't ask him directly, but I was trying to think, like, why? Why did this kid watch American Psycho, right? It's probably because he saw memes of it on TikTok or something. <laughs> yeah. Corey, what's your favorite one? Because I think it's worth calling out a few of the top ones. I know what mine is, but... Uh, there's one that I have kind of wanted to incorporate into a Star Wars meme, and I probably should at some point, but it's when Patrick Bateman says, Why not, you stupid bastard? <laughs> Why not, you stupid bastard? So how would that be Star Wars? I don't know. You just got to work it in somewhere. I think of something good. <laughs> okay. You know? That's the beauty of the meme. <laughs> Let the memes come to you. I love uh, Patrick Bateman with walking with headphones, just substituted with any music. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen that one. People just put different jams mm -hmm. and he walks with the 80s headphones, just looking super slick. You got to put on that low pass filter and it's perfect. <laughs> Mikey, we, we get to see Patrick v Bateman's violence, or do we, pretty early on. Um, do you remember the first guy that Patrick Bateman kills? And do you think this was real? Uh, are you talking about the homeless man? Mm-hmm. Not Ice-T from Surviving the Game. Uh, a different another manhunt man scenario. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's... Patrick is uh, just white knuckling his like inner psychotic rage the whole time, and he's like walking down an alley and talks to a homeless man, asks him why he doesn't have a job, all this stuff, and kind of belittles him, and then apparently stabs him, and then like kills his dog as well. But given that we don't have a reliable narrator, it's kind of hard to know whether that actually happened or not. I don't know. Do you think it happened, Pap? I feel like this one's definitely real. Um, after this, he says his mask of sanity is about to slip, and then he has a nightly bloodlust. And I think the stain on the sheets is really there, indicating that you may have been violent for real in the past. I feel bad for the dog that he kicks. I felt a little unnecessary. Yeah, homeless guy, who cares about the dog? Well, that's kind of the beauty of this, Pappy. Like, you can say, you can argue, right, that some of them are real. Mm. But also, like, they leave something in there that kind of indicates that maybe it's not. And I think in the case of the sheets, it's that mm -hmm. the cleaners are arguing with him 
about the the cleanliness of the sheets, right? Maybe there is no blood stain. Maybe that's what they're trying to communicate to him. There is no have you guys Have you guys ever gone to an ATM and it says, feed me a cat? <laughs> yeah. A yes. time or two. Yeah, in LA. It's a hint. It seems like a hint. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh, you... I won the right to host American Psycho off your pick of Lord of War. We went back to back Jared Leto's for some reason. He will never be a king of spoilers as long as I live. But can you tell me a little bit about Paul Allen? I'm picking Morbius. Challenge accepted. More than time. <sighs> I'm stealing some of Corey's thunder if I talk about Paul Allen. But Paul Allen is one of the head CEOs of Microsoft in real life. But <laughs> in this movie, he is a... He is the rival, I think, of Patrick Bateman. And the first murder, we can put this whole thing behind us for a while if it's real or not. But the first, like, murder out of anger that we see is, um, this murder of Paul Allen. And it's because Paul Allen has a better business card than Patrick Bateman. He might be better looking. He uses the same barber. Gets into Dorcia. He can get into this restaurant called Dorcia that um, Christian Bale apparently can't, and he gets laughed at when he tries. He's just jealous of this guy in general. He, he has a better apartment than him. The list goes on. But basically, Jared Leto is his rival, Pap. And um, maybe the most famous scene of the movie is what it all leads to when there's, I don't know, P- Patrick Bateman goes full Dexter here in this scene. Corey, you're good at stepping through the details, and you you love Morbin time. Can you tell us a little bit about what Josh said is the most famous scene in the m- movie, Hip to be Square? You know, I never watched Dexter. I really want to know, is Dexter like this scene before I talk about it? No, not even, not at all. Just the precautions. It's like more violent. Yes, he does have the, the plastic laid down. He's got the, the stuff on. He does not leave DNA, but he is absolutely not someone that will murder someone in his own house. Unless Lots of Huey Lewis, though. Lots of Huey Lewis. Everything he does is to not get caught. I see. It's a great show. Well, Bateman is clearly jealous of Paul Allen, who's played by Jared Leto. He starts to unfold a plan that you realize is a, is a plan, as it's kind of happening, where he brings Paul Allen back to his place. He's been getting him drunk. They've been spending time together all day doing his favorite thing, which is having lunch with other executives at whatever company they work at he starts playing huey lewis now this is a meme too right seeing patrick bateman do his silly little dance and get super enthusiastic about seemingly the music but i think what he's actually enthusiastic about is the build-up to the crime that he's about to commit he's getting very giddy in a way that we haven't seen him get giddy before and it's like it's partially authentic and it's partially him putting on the show. But I think inside, he is very happy because he knows he is about to kill this man. And of course he does with a very shiny axe. He puts on his raincoat and he takes the shiny axe to the back of Dr. Michael Morbius's head. <laughs> Prep, can I interject please? how I think the other theory works in here? And honestly, I can drop it. But in my head, anytime this crap is happening... What's really happening is he's like on autopilot talking about Huey Lewis in real life. And his mind is just like running crazy with how he would love to like murder this person with an axe. 
And that's him being a psychopath to the point where at the end of the movie, he thinks it is actually real. And I think that's, that's to me, the messaging of this movie. And I know we're going to keep going to the plot and I don't want to keep backtracking and be like, this is why this didn't actually happen. But I, I think this one sums it up pretty well. Like, in real life, he's sitting on the couch talking about Huey Lewis, and he's like, hmm, I wish I had paper taped down to the floor. Hmm, I wish I could have a raincoat. Dude, I would fuck him up with an axe right now. And in his mind, he's still talking about Huey Lewis, but he's murdering him in his head. Right. I think you're probably right that it starts off as like maybe just a back-of-the-mind fantasy and eventually works its way forward to an all-out delusion as the movie goes on. I actually got yeah, let's jump around here a little bit because this is the one that hurts my head because the Paul Allen murder seems like it would be the first murder that didn't actually happen. But then why is Paul Allen's apartment cleaned out at the end of the movie? He moved to London. He just up and moved? Moved out? I mean, Patrick Bateman did it during the movie when he found out Paul Allen had a nicer apartment. I thought it said something really weird on Wikipedia that I didn't really think. It said the realtor cryptically tells him that the apartment does not belong to Alan before ordering him to leave. I thought that was worded really weirdly. That's not how I felt, but is that kind of going what you're thinking, Pap, or? Yeah, well, there's concrete evidence that he's no longer living there. Was he ever really missing? Well, I watched a video where the guy said that he doesn't, he's not even sure that uh, Kimball's real. So if Kimball's not real, then Alan's probably not really dead. On the now playing pod, yeah. What? They think that? Great, Josh. Oh, shit. <laughs> I just I lost my train of thought in the middle of that. What were we just talking about? Because I was. Lo- I really fucking hate that podcast. <laughs> I cannot stand those guys. Like, if you want to know, like, the origin story of spoilers, that was one of the podcasts I've heard. I was like, I can't believe these fuckers are so popular. Like, it, it can't be this hard if these guys are doing it. I can't stand them. Sorry, Josh. Yeah, tell your friends. Okay. I, I just. It popped back in there. They, they said. As it like as a fact that the realtor had cleaned up the mess because it would be like more profitable for them to just like flip the apartment. They didn't want to like mess with it, and that woman kind of like knew when he came in, but would just that's what they said on the pod that passed. That's what I thought. I thought it was (laughs) she knew who he was and why he was there, and she was like, "I made this problem disappear. You need to go right now. I don't ever want to see you again." That's how I felt. It's kind of what you were saying that they were saying. Like, she cleaned it up. Is that very likely, though? That seems more surreal than actually murdering people. It would be her (laughs) ass. Like, I don't understand how he gets away with the woman at the bottom. He's leaving bodies all over the place. There's a woman with a fucking chainsaw in her back at the bottom of this building. That is the funniest freaking part of the whole movie. I laughed out loud. (laughs) When he runs out, you see him come out of the shadow with the freaking chainsaw. He primes a chainsaw and (laughs) drops it at the right time. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the things about this movie that like, you know, I saw this movie when I was in high school. This I talked about it on the Boondock Saints pod. This guy that like I kind of like respected in terms of like films. He was like 20 years old. He showed me this movie. He's like, you know, this is a real movie or whatever he said. And like one of the appeals is like how funny this movie is. Like it's there's just weird, subtle humor with like the things Patrick Bateman says and the faces he makes while saying them. Like the camera hangs on this dude's face really close up a lot. And like, he almost looks like he's like wearing makeup. There's like a strange 
soap opera quality to the way things look. Shiny. This is one of Christian Bale's sweatiest performances. It absolutely has to be. It's awesome. Especially when he's getting grilled by, uh, I think we mentioned him a second ago, Willem Dafoe playing a detective, I think for the second time in spoilers history, um, Agent Donna, Donald Kimball. Mikey, can you tell us a little bit about Willem Dafoe <laughs> in this movie? And Detective his- Don Kimball. <laughs> uh, Willem Dafoe was either a bad cop, as in bad at his job, and cannot see Patrick Bateman for who he really is, and is not finding any of the bodies that he's apparently just like leaving all around town. Or he's really trying to eliminate Patrick from his investigation, and Patrick is trying his best to give an alibi, but he's not sure how much Willem Dafoe's character knows. I don't know. I think he's kind of ends up playing himself uh, in the end with Kimball, but I don't know. Just all of the unreliable narrator stuff is one of the parts that I don't like about this movie because it just calls into question what does any of the scenes matter if we don't know what actually happened. But I think Josh has a point that like, Maybe a lot of it is just fantasies in his head, but I don't know. But Willem Dafoe actually exists, right? Like within this movie that he's not a delusion of Patrick, right? Again, some people, I I saw a video, some person said that uh, he's not sure that he actually exists. So, But that uh, can't possibly be true because Chloe Savini, however you say her last name. Sevigny. Sevigny. Like she sees him, right? Like She sees somebody. He has to really be there. It says he's a PI. He says he's a PI, right? Not a cop. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's a good cop? I don't know. It seems like he's asking all of the wrong questions and not really grilling Patrick. He seems more like Willem de Friend than Willem Dafoe. How old are you? 27. Where did you go to school? Harvard, then Harvard Business School. Your address? The American Gardens Building, West 81st Street. Mm, nice. Very nice. Thanks. What can you tell me about Paul Allen? I'm at a loss. He was part of that whole Yale thing. Yale thing? Yeah, Yale thing. What do you mean, Yale thing? Well, I think from one that he was probably a closet homosexual who did a lot of cocaine at Yale thing. There's a very famous movie fact of this movie where they took three takes of each of the Willem Dafoe scenes. One where he suspects Patrick Bateman, one where he's not sure and one where he doesn't suspect Patrick Bateman at all. And I feel like once you know that and you're watching it, it's pretty clear which cuts that he suspects Patrick Bateman and which one he doesn't. I, I don't know. I think it's a great effect, Stevie. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Do you like uh, Willem Dafoe in this movie? Who do you think is a better detective? I forget his character in Boondock Saints. Um, there was a firefight! <laughs> 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 um, man. Well, one that could just see shit. Uh, just by looking at walls and bullet holes, I don't find it as interesting as his character in this. I like his character in this, and I think he has to exist. I do too. I do. I agree. I mean, I think it's ridiculous to think like he's not there. I, I think he's there. And what's funny to me is just how bad Patrick is at just explaining himself about anything. To like the ultimate sociopathic narcissist that can't lie well is very interesting to me he's a bad liar he's a terrible liar he's got no poker face turning tapes every night do you guys think that jared leto ran away to like europe or spain or something london 
Well, according to the lawyer, he did. Yeah, according to the lawyer, he did. He also thought Patrick Bateman was a different guy the entire conversation. Yeah, they've all pretty much shown that they don't <laughs> notice anybody else. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't matter that he thought Patrick was a different guy. He said he had dinner with him in London like a week ago. With a guy that he thought was Jared Leto. Maybe it was Patrick Bateman. I think people know Paul <laughs> Allen. Let's let's talk more broadly, Corey. Is an unanswerable question like what's real or what's not, is that a strong point for the movie? Or is it kind of, do you wish that they would commit to an answer that could be unlocked through careful study? Because I'm pretty sure this is just unknowable, right? There's no definitive clues. The director's always been quiet. There's no really way to know. Do you like that or do you wish there was a way to solve the mystery? No, I see. I don't get hung up on that stuff, but I know a lot of people do. I don't necessarily mean people here, but I just mean I've met people that won't accept something like this. They have to know. So what was it, you know, at the end? You know, the kind of people you watch this movie with at the very end and say, so was it real or was it not? Well, I don't get this movie. And to me, I don't really consider that. Like that's, I mean, I think about it and that's part of the process, right? Thought provoking, intriguing, you know, you can kind of put the pieces together and make up your own mind, but... I'm okay with the open-ended aspect of movies like this, assuming the movie's good. If it's like The Happening, it's like, well, who fucking cares anyway, you know? It's the trees, bro. Why are the trees so angry? Future Punishment movie. Yeah, if everything is a fantasy, then it's all just about how greed has, like, greed greed amongst his friends. Like, he's he's envious of all of his friends and coworkers. So, like, it's driven him to madness, basically. That, if, it's, if he's not a psychotic killer, then he's just, like, the most envious person on Wall Street or something. And he has a real slight with anybody who's not remembering his name, which is a lot of people. So Well, I'd say he's envious of all of his coworkers, except for one, Lewis, the <laughs> redhead. Stevie, what are we to make of that scene in the bathroom? Is I've seen a lot of people say that... Um, uh, Patrick Bateman's a latent homosexual or oppressed homosexual. He seems a little closeted. Yeah, you think that's what we're supposed to, to get from that? I mean, the, the reaction yeah. to washing your hands <laughs> after he touches him is insane. But they also mentioned AIDS in this movie, so I don't know if it was trying to go with some of, of that a little bit, you know? Yeah, there seems to be a lot of, you know, kind of repressed, closeted homosexuality amongst the characters in this movie. Especially when the characters are dropping hard F-words out of nowhere, just very aggressively. Is that why he's always flexing in the mirror during coitus? He's like having sex with himself. I like that, Josh. It's a good interpretation. No, it's because it's he's superficial. Or that. <laughs> I think that's one of the main themes of this movie. But he's literally getting his sexual excitement from looking at his own... Him. Yeah. Well, I just feel like he's admiring himself in the mirror as he's doing this. He doesn't care about the woman. He might not even care about the satisfaction. That's not what gets him off. It's the killing. It's 1,000 crunches in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, one of the characters I have the most sympathy for is the secretary Boy. in this movie. There's a misguided date. Can you tell us, I guess, a little bit about you know her as a person and how the date between... Um, I'm trying to think of her character's name. Jean, I think. Yeah. Jean and uh, Patrick Bateman. Jean feels like a very real person in this cartoon movie. So (laughs) instantly anything she does like hits with, I think, a little more weight. She's not from the stratosphere, right? Like she's the only person who's not in this class of people, you know, so she's not this Looney Tunes 
<laughs> ridiculous character mm-hmm. self-obsessed with like money i think a good person to put opposite of her is who's that other witch rich woman that he invites to his apartment that he talks into having like a threesome with she has Betty red kills? hair yeah well, so, oh. elizabeth elizabeth so, she's one of the writers oh cool she's of the stratosphere obviously right and so like mm-hmm. when he, if he would say to her like you should wear high heels or you shouldn't wear that dress anymore. I think she would kind of toss it back to him. But when it happens to his secretary, it carries like a lot of weight. And she doesn't realize that he's a piece of shit. And she really admires, I think, his like success. And think he, I think she thinks he has like a brilliance deep down. But Pappy, when she leaves the room, he's just turning on like game shows during the day, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> is that what's most misguided? Do you think that she actually admires him? And she's like a real character, but she admires him too, right? Or something? These people are all like swimming in money. They're all self obsessed with their title and their business card and their job. We never see a single human being other than Gene actually doing any work in this movie. They're either like right. finding their next reservation, doing coke figuring out where they're going to go for lunch. As soon as Patrick Bateman gets in the office, yeah, he turns on Jeopardy. Like, no one's actually contributing to society other than, like... I mean, even, like, the prostitutes are doing more actual work than we ever see Patrick Bateman do. I guess, yes, we haven't brought up the prostitutes yet at all. Um, She comes over once the first time, it's pretty brutal. We don't see what happens, but we see her get all beat up as she's leaving. That's the Stevie question. Mm. What happened? What happened in there, man? What's going on? I want to call it the brilliance of this movie, but I kind of like that about this movie is less is more. I think kind of our interpretation of what may have happened is a lot like, I wouldn't say like scarier, but just a little darker than what actually probably did. Well, one had like a bloody nose and the other one said that they are going to have to get surgery like, what the fuck happened? Well, <laughs> she had to go to the emergency room. I mean, I don't know about surgery. There's a hanger involved, right? Oh, I mean, coat hanger? He gets out of hanger at some point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he probably did some mutilation, man. No, and Patrick in his brain. Do you think that really happened? Because when I'm watching this, I'm like, well, doesn't she have. I mean, like, one, he's calling an escort service, right? Like, you can't just beat up those people no. gonna, there's gonna be repercussions for that right pimps will be sent that's what i was gonna get at yeah do you think that really happened stevie the prostitute no that's I, all don't. I, said? I mean he probably saw a prostitute walking and just played in his head you know how would i go about this and even the second time you know he was like oh, i did the tour the first time but now i have to reassure her it's just all in his head. Could you see him telling a limo driver to like go park on this corner and him just like <laughs> staring at a prostitute from a like caddy corner for like oh, two yeah. hours? Hundred yeah. percent. He's just jerking off in the backseat. <laughs> <laughs> Keep the window down. Keep the divider down. Corey, we haven't mentioned Patrick's fiance, Reese Witherspoon. Anything to say about her in this movie? I think she's only in like three scenes, maybe. Well, she's clearly as caught up in her own world as Bateman and his pals are in theirs. Um, But pretty early on, Patrick says something uh, specific about the the only emotions that he feels at this point. 
which are disgust and greed. <laughs> right? When he's with his friends, I think he's being very fake. We can see that, right? He's he's kind of playing the game. He's playing along. But when he's with Reese Witherspoon, whose name I don't remember. Elizabeth? No. Um, Reese. Evelyn? Evelyn. Evelyn. When he's with Evelyn, we can see him being himself in that he is feeling the disgust that he described. So I think he's more in his element when he's with her because he's not putting on a show. He is clearly unhappy with her. He doesn't want anything to do with her, but you know, he's, he's playing the game that he thinks he needs to play with these people. So he's, he's with her because she's in the same social circles and whatever it may be in the book, I guess like, they realize that their schedules for work are the same, and that's why they get engaged. Huh. I like that. The book is like way more violent, right? Than this movie is. I haven't read the book. I just saw like one of those flies crack videos. I heard rolling around in intestines quote. I think he kills a kid too. Oy. Like or does he type thing. Um yeah, and, and I guess some just a side note of this movie, Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. was going to be cast as Patrick Bateman. Johnny Depp. Backed out. And, well, I mean, Johnny Depp might have been okay. He did The Beach instead, which is not a very good movie. I can't imagine Leo in this role. I feel like he would have been... It's a whole different movie. He, he just I don't know. Could he sell that? I think he would have been great. He looks so young. And we talked about this, Stevie. It's like when an actor's older than you, when the movie came out, they always seem older. Like, I can't wrap my, rhyme, my mind around Christian Bale being 20 fucking seven. Like, he seems so much older. Yeah, that. that's true. But I, I just think Leo could have pulled that off. I mean, actually, you know what? Probably at that age, it probably is best that he passed on it. This is like two years after Titanic. Yeah, I don't think he would have hit that range probably until like the early 2010s where you could have really stuck that. Leo's not doing those crunches either. Apparently, one of his friends or, or agents or something. Like, kind of asked him not to do that movie because of his young fan base and thought that that would have been really bad at that time. I heard that too, Brett. They were like, your biggest fan base is 14-year-old girls. Yeah. And they will go and see this movie. Do you want that? <laughs> it's a pretty good point. The beach was not, like, exactly kitty stuff, but yeah, it wasn't like this, I suppose. True. Never seen it. It's not that good. It's not very good at all, actually. Dang. Patrick breaks up with Evelyn, and then we get into where the movie gets really over the top. Josh, you mentioned you think at this point everything's definitely uh, not real, including the feed me the stray cat. What is what does Patrick do on this murder spree that he goes on through New York? Have you guys ever heard of Grand Theft Auto? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the original on PC in the nineties. Oh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it all starts with this ATM in his mind telling him to feed it a cat, and an old woman sees him trying to do it, so he just pulls out a gun and smokes her, and so some guy in the... Yep. (laughs) Some guy in the alley sees her get shot, so he's got to smoke her. He starts running, and some bellhop sees him. He's at three stars now. (laughs) (laughs) He's got to off him, so he goes... You know what I mean? Like he he kills like six people in sequence here, Pat. It is pretty wild. Really quick. It all ends with the police. He gets five stars. The police come after him. He shoots his pistol at the a couple of cop cars, and they explode. 
And there's even this moment in the movie where, like, with levity, he looks at his gun, like, how the hell did my gun do that? And he escapes to his office, where, as he's looking out the blinds, helicopters are still looking for him because of the five stars aforementioned. There's one part where he's on his little crime spree, and he runs all the way around a revolving door yes. and shoots a security guard <laughs> and goes back out. It's it's pretty funny at this part. Mikey, anything from the, the chaos that stood out to you? No. I mean, the scene right after that, I, well, he makes that phone call to his lawyer, apparently, but that guy plays it off as a joke when, they, when he uh, sees him at the bar later, but I don't know. It's just tiring wondering whether what happened or not. So I'm liking the movie less and less. <laughs> I, I like the movie all the way up until where it's like, did anything happen at all? I totally forget about the last quarter of this movie every time. Is Feed Me the Stray Cat too silly? Does it? Because I feel like this whole movie is supposed to be like a comedy, right? It's kind of got that. The whole movie is silly. Mm-hmm. He's chasing someone naked with a chainsaw at one point it's ridiculous but he's wearing shoes yeah i don't know it's just you're supposed to believe in his delusions or something you're supposed to at that point just uh, accept the fact that he's psychotic which is the title what i think mikey is really cool about this movie is even though my reading of this movie is like it's all fake i think you could read into it that obviously that he did commit murders so like i don't know maybe you could just take a stance in your own mind and just like go with it you know what i mean i'm gonna break and go insane if i do that so i can't do that (laughs) can i help you i'm looking for paul allen's place doesn't he live here no he doesn't you sure You saw the ad in the Times? No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. In the Times. There was no ad in the Times. I think you should go now. But I think... I want to know what happened here. Don't make any trouble, please. I suggest you go. Does anybody know who plays the real estate agent? at the end because i think she's freaking awesome she might be like the scariest character in the movie i don't i don't know who plays her i couldn't find it on imdb but anybody else like her um she's creepy she's like fades back in the shadows and like don't cause any trouble homer simpson in the bushes she plays it perfectly (laughs) to leave you wondering what happened whether it was a delusion on his part or if she like worked with that lawyer and cleaned it up we mentioned there's that uh, he finds his lawyer at the end. Um, kind of a bad lawyer, right? Like if one of your clients calls you and admits to murder, you should probably take that at face value. Yeah, for real. Not assume it's it's a joke. And if you don't right away, like maybe after a few seconds when you can tell that he's completely broken down. Yeah, it's bad. Also doesn't recognize his own client. Yeah. You You work for this guy. You don't even know who he is. You don't even know what he looks like. Brett, I was going to ask you, what's the significance of Ronald Reagan at the end of this movie? It's just a time period. I don't know. It's that that Ronald Reagan was the American psycho, after all. (laughs) Stevie, you got anything? Is there any staunch symbolism here? Oh, 
Or is it just a sign of the 80s? I think it's a big sign of the 80s. Like, I mean, 80s, like, quote unquote, was like the decade of greed, right? Greed is good. Greed is good. Like, that was like the decade for it. Yeah, is there anybody more greedy than Reagan with his trickle-down economics? Him and his $15 million mansion on Martha's Vineyard. Oh, wait, no, that's not him. <laughs> Somebody else. I don't know who that is. But um, the one way like I could read this movie, this is like me being polite with it, is I'd like to think that maybe, just maybe, that Patrick Bateman is the audience. Okay, go on. If that makes sense. I like to think that Patrick Bateman is what a normal person would become if we were like given privy and access to this lifestyle and that Patrick Bateman's journey is just kind of showing us how we go insane. So you think you with the, given the same opportunities would be as batshit as probably. And, and this may be because the director's saying it's that empty of a lifestyle. Yes. Just because everybody is the same, you know, no one recognizes anybody. And I think as a normal person, you would go nuts. Nobody's even listening to each other in the movie. Yeah. It's like, a fever dream. You're born a psycho, though. You're born a psychopath. We're not. No, we're not. So I. Josh I, might be. I don't know. The jury's out with Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Give somebody a million dollars in a high-rise apartment. And do a lot of weird things to somebody. All of his friends are equally disturbed when they see like a business card that's better than their own. I mean, and then you extrapolate that out. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they have to, that's the, their whole life is their business card and where they're going to lunch. There's nothing, or in dinner. Status no, symbol. Yeah, nothing else really matters. That's all they talk about. That's the only thing they talk about is the club, the restaurant, and how much coke they're going to do. There is that one Sri Lanka speech that Christian Bale has. And one of my favorite, like, just moments of direction in the whole movie is when he's talking about a return to traditional moral values and it cuts like the two goth people at the table who just look so disgusted with his speech um something else more generally too Corey, i wanted to ask i can never get your read on music what do you think about the soundtrack of this movie do you think there's anything symbolic in it christian bale is obsessed with music or patrick bateman's obsessed with music what's right? the symbology here i'm not a big music guy i think it fits with this movie and i think it like offsets some of the horrific things that we see in the movie you know when you have things like Whitney Houston playing right but I think it's a it's a good like timestamp, right to indicate the period in which this movie is taking place uh, so that was really kind of what I got from it but again I'm not really like big into music so I don't know like kind of the lyrics behind some of these famous songs and like well, how they might pertain to him so don't say timestamp. I think you meant time capsule they don't want to fight. <laughs> oh, shit, you're right. Do you guys think he actually liked music or he just liked lecturing to people? Like, he listened to the music to be able to lecture to people about pontificating about the music or something weird. It's almost like looking in the mirror while you're having I, I sex. I like that. I think it's both, but I like that. That's good. That's good. I think he got into music as a subject to talk with hu other humans yeah, about. He doesn't right. he's so empty. He <laughs> doesn't have anything to talk about. Humans like to dance. Right. It's like a robot talking about music in my opinion. And I've heard people say that like, well, this is like his one passion is the music, but I don't really think so. I think his passion is 
what mm. surrounds the music, right? The the events of violence that kind of go hand in hand with them. But it almost seems like you guys were saying like it's it's he knows music on like an analytical level, but I don't think he's really connecting with it. I think he just yeah, like he doesn't un- feel he music. understands it like on paper, but like his real emotion behind it is is masked by the music and is connected to the violence. I also feel like his taste in music is kind of lame, you know? Like at one point, the two prostitutes, or I think it's the two prostitutes, laugh at him because he has Whitney Houston albums. And there's just something so funny about this like person who takes himself so seriously and has this like dark undertones. He's listening to Walking on Sunshine as he walks <laughs> in the office too. <laughs> I don't know, Steve. Do you like? Do you like? Gen- what do you think about Christian Bale's music taste? Is this your jam? Would any of these be on your iPod shuffle? Well, that song by New Order to begin the like movie in the club. I mean, that's a banger. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's Christian Bale's cup of tea or Patrick Bateman's, to say the least. Genesis guy? Am I a Genesis guy? Oh no, 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 no. no I'm, I'm okay. Uh... Yeah, yeah, no. As much as I love Philadelphia Collins, uh, not a Genesis guy. So just a Peter Gabriel hater, basically, or what? Eric Clapton hater. <sighs> Dude, I fucking, I fucking hate Peter Gabriel. What? Man. Like, that, that's some lame shit, bro. The, that album by Genesis, Peter Gabriel been gone a couple years, so why hate Genesis after he left? <sighs> yeah, I got you, I got you. Because <laughs> they're still lame? I, I'm happy for you, Brett. Uh, it's just Genesis, man. I don't really like their songs at all. Um, also, I think, I mean, I'm sure Peter, I don't know if Peter Gabriel is a nice guy or not. And if you're listening and you love Peter Gabriel, great for you. Fucking hate him and Huey Lewis in the news. I like Susudio. That's in this movie. I think that's a fun song. I enjoy that. You like Susudio? Uh, it makes me laugh. Happy, can I ask you a question? Is this Please. the first time you've seen this? This isn't the first time you've seen this movie. Right. It is. Mm-hmm. It is? For the podcast. Yeah, I'd never seen it before. Yeah. I mean, I watched it a couple times okay. over the course of picking it. Yeah. Maybe, Corey or Brett, then, if you saw this at an earlier age. Nope. Anybody see this before? I, I watched it on Halloween yeah, for I the first this, time. Yeah. yeah. Like 15. I saw this when I was like in high school. I swear to goodness, last time I saw this, you know, 20, 15 years ago, like y'all. There were more cool things about Christian Bale. I, I just feel like he was cooler then. And now I watch it, and it, like, that scene where he's peeling off the mask off his face. Same, it's like, Josh. I honestly feel the same way as you. <laughs> I love Christian Bale. I feel like I looked up to him unhealthily when I saw this when I, when I was younger. Yeah, that's, that's weird, Josh. Know. <laughs> not the not the murdering, but like the the Wall Street stuff. Like I almost thought the business card stuff oh, was like Josh wanted the Sigma grind set mindset. <laughs> God, all right, whatever. Fuck it. Back to Pat for the weather. I think there is. I don't know if it's real, but I think there was like someone said there was a, like an actual Patrick Bateman skincare line that came out of this at some point. So. You might be onto something and people connecting with him on some level. People like like you, Josh. But any other final thoughts? I know he bounced around a little bit. Was there any, any scenes I didn't talk about or anything else from this movie that I didn't bring up? I don't think there's any reason to persecute a man for moisturizing. I think a lot of people suffer from dry skin. So I don't have any problem with 
his skincare routine. I think it's a little overblown. I use a face lotion. Any other final thoughts, though? I watched this, like, sequel in college, and I didn't. Did, I hated it. Called The Rules of Attraction. Mila Kunis? Anybody seen The Rules of Attraction? Mm-mm. Oh, I thought you meant American Psycho 2 with Mila Kunis. Oh, no. Or like S. Darko. No, this was actually a book by the same guy, and they made a movie with Kit Pardue and James Vanderbeek, and it's just weird. Kit Pardue, is that Sunshine? Yes. Yeah. One weird feeling I had watching this movie, Pap, whenever Christian Bale's with his friends, including Justin and Louis Thoreau at the table. Um, Don't forget about Pierre. I feel like that is the part of the movie where you as a viewer are like most relaxed and kind of laughing along and it's a reprieve and it's levity. But damn, they're saying some dark, depraved shit. And it's like, compared to the rest of what Christian Bale's character is doing, it's like, doesn't seem dark and depraved. So still levity within the movie, but just like reflecting on that was pretty wild today. Like which quotes? What are you talking about? What are they? Dude, they talk about how the smartest woman is basically equal to the dumbest man. They talk about how oh. Jews are terrible. They talk <laughs> about black people. They talk about gay people. Like, go on down the line. But you're just so relieved that Patrick Bateman isn't stabbing someone with a chainsaw that it's like, okay, this is a cool levity part of the movie. I like this is comfortable, but it's <sighs> terrible. <laughs> Josh watched this movie. He gets he gets feelings. He's like, I feel like I'm having feelings again. You remember feelings? We're like, yeah, I have feelings <laughs> yeah, every Josh. day of my life. We have feelings every I'm an day empty of our life. Vessel. I feel like I'm having feelings it's like I did when I was a little boy. Um, I feel like Josh Lucas plays a really awesome douchebag uh, in a lot of movies he's in. He's one of the friends. He's one of Pierre Thoreau's friends. He's probably the one that talks the most. You guys yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a guy, a very punchable face. You think so? He does get typecast as a douche a lot. <laughs> he's cool in some movies, but yeah. I like how... Patrick Bateman's always trying to drop um, like serial killer references, and none of his stories ever land. <laughs> like he tells that one about a head on a spike, and his friends just look at him like he's a psycho. And Gene doesn't know who Ted Bundy is. He's, he's just never able to like connect with people on that level. Um, but there's no other final thoughts. Let's get into yes or no's. We'll keep it weestus to eastus. Corey, we'll start with you. It's a yes. I like this movie a lot. There's something very strange about the way this movie is shot. I mentioned that earlier. Like, people are very close up. Bateman is very close up. There's unusual acting choices, right? People just, especially Bateman, obviously, but people just kind of like seem off. And maybe it's because it's this foreign, self absorbed, high society world in New York in the 80s where everyone is, uh, just just doing horrible things and saying horrible things all the time. But aside from the look of it, I just, uh, I really like this movie. I always have. I liked it from the first time I saw it. I think I still like it just as much, unlike the Boondock Saints, which I saw around the same time, which I like a bit less. I think this movie is, is very thought-provoking. It's cool. It's got some very dark, but really great humor and uh i just like it it's a yes for me 
Also, one of my favorite lines in the movie. Can you keep it down? I'm trying to do drugs over here. (laughs) (laughs) Mikey? It's a yes. Uh, I think uh, just talking about what's real and what's not is probably the most frustrating part of the movie to watch, but I don't need to know either way. I guess just maybe the Reagan thing at the end is supposed to be an indicator that like it's just in his head. It's just the greed getting to him or something, but I, I I don't know how you, you can interpret it a bunch of different ways, but uh, it's a good movie. It's funny. It's dark. It's uh, like Corey said, there's really interesting acting choices. A lot of people don't seem to even be listening to each other when they're conversing and, it does feel like a fever dream. Uh, there's lots of surreal uh, violence happening and stuff like that. So it's a, it's an interesting watch for sure. It's kind of crazy that you never saw it before, Pap. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it was super popular like 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago. A lot of people were talking about it again. But yeah, it's a yes. Not a hard yes, just a yes. Yeah, I'll go next. Um I would give this a hard yes. Um, a couple of things I didn't talk about when Patrick Bateman's chopping up Paul Allen. He says, try getting a reservation at Dorcia now, you fucking bastard. While he's saying that, this like ginormous piece of spit <laughs> flies out of his mouth and it just cracks me up every time. I think this is one of Bale's best performances. Just the way that he can kind of shift gears in between that over-the-top craziness to his comedic timing at times to his you know being a terrifying character um this was the most popular movie on letterbox that i hadn't seen and part of the reason that i picked it for the podcast it's very cathartic to see the memes in action like when he points at the jukebox and like you actually see that in the movie it's it's nice it feels good on my brain um but i I think it holds up as like you know a great satire of this culture it's scary at times. I I do find what's real or what's not real interesting, even though it's kind of an unanswerable question. It's fun to kind of just pull on the thread a little bit and try and untangle, even though you can never untangle the knot. So hard yes for me. Stevie? Man, I don't want to sound pretentious when I say this. Um, this movie was a lot cooler when I was younger, I remember. Just looking cooler. Um, not like the subject matter, but I will say that people like, in this society, still very much so exists. Uh, and many people, like, aspi- still aspire to it, um, which is kind of a terrifying thought. But yeah, I actually really do like this movie. Um, I'll give this a... Um, hmm, how do I say this? I'll give this a solid yes. I like the way it's shot a lot. Like you guys said, I really like the acting. Um, I also like the questions of, like, what is real, what isn't. I still like to think that the writer put us in the shoes of Patrick Bateman. This is like what would happen to us if we were in the society. Um, so yeah, I'll give this a, a solid yes. Is there something holding you back a little bit? I hear a little bit of hesitation in there. What 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 didn't hold up from when you were younger? Um, I guess like the jumping the shark moment. Uh, I don't know if that was like the director's intention to turn this into a comedy at the end. Um, especially with like the exploding cop cars and, you know, running through the apartment building you know, after shooting the front desk guy and, you know, he gives him the thumbs up afterwards. I just, I think it got a little too goofy at the end. 
Um, but I still think it's a solid yes. I I feel like what you mean is it's a it is a black comedy throughout, but like it turns into like a farce at the end. I, I feel like that's more. Mm-hmm. It becomes pretty farcical at the end when cop cars are blown. I mean, I think it's always a comedy. But go ahead, sorry. You could play the Benny Hill music from the time yeah. that it says "Don't" or "Feed Me a Straight yeah. Cat" would fit perfectly. <laughs> Wouldn't feel out of place. Play the Benny Hill music when he's walking through the office with the headphones on. It, it doesn't <laughs> matter what you play when he's walking through the office with the headphones on. I just want to make that known. Josh from Goshen, yes or no segment. I'll just keep the quick yes or no part short. This movie makes you feel a certain way, even shows restraint with the violence to some respect. And I think that's like kind of an automatic yes for me. It, make, it makes you think, it makes you consider things changes your mood um but what i wanted to mostly talk about here i want to put an end to this oh i don't know if it really happened or not or this is driving me nuts i can't figure it It didn't fucking happen (laughs) nothing happened and i want to draw three details from the movie that i think prove that one i already talked about it's the mirror scene it's the first time we see him lash out it has the mirror. It's like the movie is telling you we are u- using a mirror. This is a cliche that is used in movies. This is not really happening. It's in his head. Later on, after Mikey so astutely pointed out, he kills a whore with a chainsaw. And that body would just be like laying around all bloody, right? And easy to find. It's connected to his apartment building. It's his chainsaw, his blood and naked body are all over it's just ridiculous like bloody footprints out of his apartment right and the next scene it cuts to is him drawing that scene on a tablecloth so to me the movie's telling me that was in his head and then the coup de gras at the end is when chloe his secretary pulls out the calendar and seemingly 20 or so times, every time he's imagined a murder, he's done a doodle of it in his fucking calendar. It didn't happen, okay? It, like, I get that the movie has some places where it makes you think it could be one way or the other. But for me, my logic, none of it happened. Taking that to the bank. Shout out to the Sri Lankan audience. We're like the 10 or 11th ranked TV and film Sri Lankan podcast, so that's freaking awesome. <laughs> but anyway, that's my yes or no segment, Josh from Goshen. <laughs> I was in the room when it happened. Um, Last but not least, Brett. Yeah, I, I watched this movie for the first time on Halloween. I thought it was awesome. It like cracked me up. Uh, I really dug the humor and the acting and everything like that. Uh, I, mean, I guess, I guess you could argue that. Uh, it might be the first time you watch it. Obviously, it's the maybe the best. It's the peak of watch of watchability. But yeah, I've only seen it once. I thought it was amazing. Um, I just enjoyed the ride. I, I don't really need to say much more. I, I give it a, a hard yes. So I think it was cool. Really cool. There you go. Preserve Patrick Bateman. Um, like I mentioned at the beginning the, or earlier in the pod, I won the privilege of hosting from Josh off Florida War. Woo! We went back to back Jared Leto. We're going to leave this pod with a new host 
playing some American Psycho trivia. I wanted to do a little bit of a um, a little bit of an intricate trivia. So we're gonna eliminate one spoiler man here off the bat. This is gonna be a farthest from the order that I have from mo- most recent host to least recent host. Josh with Lord of War, like I mentioned. Oof. Stevie with Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> Brett with Teeth. Mikey, what did you host? I don't have that in front of me. Do you remember the last movie you hosted? Um, uh, no. Upgrade? Uh, upgrade. It was a while ago. Yeah, I don't know. Upgrade. And then Corey on the Schneid a long time ago with Good Time. So it's going to be a farthest from. Uh, one spoiler man will be eliminated. Christian Bale works in Murders and Executions or <laughs> Murders and Acquisitions. In the same year this movie came out, one of the most disastrous Murders and Acquisitions of all time oh God. took place. When AOL acquired Time Warner, what was the value of the transaction of AOL buying Time Warner? How much did they pay, essentially, for Time Warner? Josh, you'll go first. What year was that? 2000. The AOL Time Warner merger mere months before the dot-com bubble burst. Oh, that's a good hint. Before the dot-com bubble burst. Yeah, that's a good hint. Can you give us a clue if it's M's, B's, Mm -hmm. or T's? M's, B's. Oh. (laughs) I will let you say it to the 10th power. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it better be more than five to the 5th power. (laughs) Okay, using some circular logic, M, B's, and T's, B's are in the middle of that. So I'll go with something in the B's. Over a half million, over like 500 billion seems insane. So I'll go with like 350 billion. I am Ron Burgundy? Three hundred and fifty billion. I could be three hundred and forty-nine billion off. <laughs> you most likely yeah. are. Stevie, I believe you're next. Oh, Walk us through sucks. the logic, Stevie. So you have to remember, like, I don't think the dot com bubble bursting like is talked about enough just because of 08. It, it it was a nightmare for people. So much money was lost in the dot com. I mean, people were just being stupid with it. Like, so much money was lost. Um, I'm with Josh. I think we're in the B's and not in the M's or the T's. And Pap called this disastrous, which to me means bought it at an all time high, dot com bubble hit, and it just sunk like crazy. So it's definitely an overvalued uh, acquisition. Josh, you said three forty nine. You said three fifty, uh, right? Three fifty. Three fifty. That's insane to me. Um, even like for today's standards, like that's. I mean, even if Apple bought Disney tomorrow, I don't think you could, they get that out of it. So I'll say a hundred billion. Okay. Hundred billion? Yeah, that that to me seems safer. What does a billion dollars even mean? We can't fathom it. <laughs> I'm serious. We can't fathom yeah, a billion you're, dollars. 
You ever seen that thing where it's like a million seconds is like a couple hours and a billion seconds is like years yeah, or something like, like that? Yeah, lifetimes or something. It's, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Your head can't understand the scale of that. Brett? Oh, it's me. I thought I was the furthest out. No. Uh, well, I'm just going to... It's just the one person's out after this? One person's out. All right. I will say... I don't know, 101 billion. So it's game logic for Brett. I don't think You're it's saying 101 <laughs> billion? What did, Steve, what did Stevie say? 100 billion and one. I said 100. Uh, uh, don't uh, go. I'll go. I'll go 101 billion. Are you going down to the cent here, Path? <laughs> no. <laughs> 101 billion. So, Mikey, we have 350 billion, 100 billion, and 101 billion. Dalmatians. <laughs> yeah, I think you guys are way off because I'm pretty sure the Activision deal, that's video games, was like the biggest one in history, and that was a billion. So I think it's more like 500 million. I think it's definitely way less than what we said, but I'm just playing it smart. So let's go, Mikey. Stick to your guns. I also don't know what a merger and or acquisition is. So. Hostile takeover. <laughs> so you said this is furthest from this, this game. We're not trying to get from. the closest to this. We're trying to get the there furthest. There can only be one. One person will be eliminated. The Whoever furthest is the furthest. furthest. Yeah. All right. Well, then uh, just play it safe. Uh, $349,999,999. <laughs> Nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents. I have to type so many nines, but it doesn't really matter. At the time, it was the biggest merger and acquisition in the history of merger and acquisitions for a total of one hundred eighty two. Let's go, billion dollars, wow. Mikey. I'm sorry. Do you think the Activision Microsoft deal will go through? Do you want it to go through? I don't know. I, I, Wait, I don't Mikey's care. I, I Mikey's trivia. out? Yeah, he said 500 million. That seems like a fake number. That I seems like was there out. wasn't even that much money in the no, world Josh, at that he point. Missed, he missed it by <laughs> Because everything is over. Is, now it's like a crazy amount to get something over a billion dollars, it seems like. That seems like... For Time Warner? What the fuck does Time Warner even do? AOL, man. Dial up. These are some of the least accurate guesses in the history of spoilers. Brett, you were the closest. Yeah, say that every episode... Billion. <laughs> Fuck All off, right. dude. <laughs> Round number two. Josh actually actually asked if it was a trillion, if it was in the trillion, so No. I said the T's. This is gonna be one round taboo. Only one person's gotta give the clues, only one person's gotta guess. Brett, since you were the closest, I'll let you pick the teams. What's Who do you want to be on your the team? categories? It's just words. No category. Words and uh, movies. Oh, I, I you'll have you have one minute, and there's 15 words, so you won't be able to get through all of them. Oh. So I'm hoping there won't be a tie. Oh, it's that word game I fucked up last time. Okay, I, I think yeah. I'm gonna. And now you know the rules. I think it's gonna be. Uh, I gotta stick with my boy, uh, me and Josh, against Corey. Let's and go, Brett and Josh. That's a bad oh. strategy oh. pick for you, Brett. But I Mikey. love it. Where are you at? Because then we got to compete at the end. Corey, since you're on the schneid, do you want to go first or second for your team? Or, I mean, like, do you want to 
Wait, so we only got to go once. So like, okay, so you guys will go second. Brett, Josh, like I said, only one person will give the words. There's 15 words. You have one minute to get as many points as possible and earn a ticket to the final round. Which one he's got to give? Which one he's got to receive? It's all you, Brett. You choose. Uh, why don't you give? Okay. One minute on the clock. I am sending the list of 15 words over to Josh. Josh, do you have them? And when you tell me that I'm the giver, I'm like Patrick Bateman looking in the mirror. Like, I'm fucking giving over here. Let's do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Point to yourself, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the clock will start when you start giving clues. Okay. I am Michael Keaton, Christian Bale. Bat- Batman, Batman. Yes. Um, Rose, the lead singer of Guns N' Roses. Oh, gosh, this is terrible. Excellent. It's what, Pat- yeah, you said no, it. what Patrick Bateman kills people with. Axe? Axe. Yes, that was so terrible. Uh, a newer version of a record. CD. With the, yes. Uh, a cat that's a baby. Kitten. Of the Jedi. Return. Yes. Uh, not Harvard, but... Yale. If you're not foreign, you are from this country. Domestic? American? No. Yes. Uh, dress up and wear a... Suit? Yes. Uh, it's blank to be square. Hip. Uh, Kelly School of blank. Business. Do a play on blank Words. in New York. No, no, no. A play. Oh, Broadway. Like, Broadway. Yes. Uh, if you... That's pretty good, Brett. Let's go, yes, man. Uh, unfortunately, you did not get kitty. The word was kitty, not kitty. <gasps> but oh, you did get ten come words. On. Judges... <laughs> That's not you right. Did get 10 That's words. way harder. Yeah, okay. It's a different word. Okay, okay. It's a different word. You could have said feed the... Technically, I said well, kit in. Said it, the word, but that's fine. In my head, you said kitty, and I just moved on. That's my bad. Josh, or sorry, Steve so, Corey. Wait, is that nine? Ten. You got ten. Hey, ten. Pat, wow, can good. you do me a favor? Mm-hmm. Can I just see the... Can you send me the word list? For who? For them. I just want to see it while I didn't you do guys that to go. You. I just think it would be fun. I did not do that just, to you. I asked Pappy. I'm just asking him. After the ask. fact. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Um, Stevie Corey. <laughs> which one he's going to give, which one he's going to receive. You want me to give first, Corey? You you decide. There's only one round. Yeah. Um, oh, only one round? Mm-hmm. I'll give. So I'm sending list B to Stevie. Josh and Brett. You know when you got that, Stevie? Don't cheat, Stevie. All right, I'm ready. He can't. Cook All it right. up. Cook uh, it wait, up. Wait, 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 just wait. Sorry, one second. All right, whenever you start. Is it when I start, like, the... I just save the clue when you start the clock? Mm-hmm. Okay. Try to catch me there. I didn't, I didn't start Come the on, clock. Come on, cheating. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> Willem Dafoe, Spider-Man character. Green Goblin. Norman Osborn. Tex- Texas... Uh, Blank Massacre. Chainsaw. A bunch of songs from a band makes up a... Album? Record? Yep. Album. Uh, put the cat in the... Bag. No, in the movie. <laughs> oh my god. Um, you get money from it. ATM. Yep. Um, nice. VHS. What's another word for it? Cassette. Uh, no, no, no. Tape. Combined, yeah, but it's a you know, pass. Uh, opposite of Yale. <sighs> Harvard? Yep. Um, American Blank. We just watched it. Psycho. Um, this is what you do to look nice. It goes on your chest. 
Dress you up, have to, tie. You have to wrap it up. Yep, tie. Uh, not a circle, but a... Square. Christmas oh. blank. You send these out. Cards. Yep. Uh, wicked is a... Play. No, no, no. It's another word for it. They sing. Musical. Yep. Uh, white powder. It gives you energy. It's a drug. Cocaine. Crap. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Bateman picks up. Uh, oh. You got it. You got it. You guys got it. It was cheating. Listeners need to check that time. Use your stopwatches. I promise. Rewind it back. Start I your promise. own time. Okay. I think I did pretty good. Yeah, you did awesome. Technically, that was technically VHS stands for video home system, and he said videotape. I didn't get that. You didn't count that one. Or the other, the other way we around. We didn't get that one. Dang it. Yeah, we, we didn't get videotape. All right, good job, did guys. Okay. Did they get 11? They got 11, yep. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice job, y'all. Let's go. The final round. This is the closest to. I, I went back and forth on this one a few times. I'm sending an image now to the group thread. Hopefully, it'll get there. Uh, I mean, I'll just do this, actually. Sorry. So this is um, in the movie. Lewis uh, catches the American psycho Christian Bale uh, keeping a body in a... Let me look up the name real quick. It is a Jean-Paul Gaultier bag. And I did a little bit of research. I tried to find any examples of a Jean-Paul Gaultier bag. Um, the one that I'm looking at here is a vintage... Um, Josh, you want to describe this? I don't know if you're able to see it um, to the listener at home. It's a like a suitcase yeah kind of bag i'm looking at a suitcase with a canvas that looked like someone maybe vomited and shat all over it smeared it in and <laughs> called it a designer bag i'm <laughs> being quite serious <laughs> yeah here's a better screenshot uh in the group thread um like i said it's vintage i think it was from oh it's the vintage. 90s this is it smells this is the um it smells like cabbage the most expensive Jean-Paul Gautier bag I could find on eBay. It's going to be a closest to... Stevie, we'll have you go first since you've hosted more recently. What was the asking price or current bid of this bag? What year is it? It is a suitcase. Uh, 1992, I think. 92. What does it smell like, Pap? While, while Stevie's thinking, um, what what is this? If you took a big whiff of the inside of this suitcase... Wes Anderson clone balls <laughs> and pap grease. <laughs> um, how long has it been listed for? Oh, Bubba, I don't know. Okay, I'll um, just I'll just say the top. What's I the seller's that. rating? Okay. I'll say the asking price. Hi. I'll say the asking price for this is forty-one thousand dollars. hairs. Oh. All right, Corey. Oh. Less than. Oh. So you're going to say 39999 Way more. The actual retail eBay price of this Jean-Paul Gaultier 1990s large hard trunk briefcase in cyber fabric is only $1,595. A reasonable price. So, Corey, Good job. off the snide. I would have lost that for sure. New host of Spoilers. We'll give you a second to pick your movie. In the meantime, Spoiler Man, give us some plugs. Special thank you to our patrons. Matt Troll. I've got to return some videotape. Brother Brian. I mean, I guess I'm a pretty sick guy. Druid King. He's been compared to Elvis Costello. Nick. But I think Huey has a far more bitter, cynical sense of humor. The Meg. Eggshell with Romalian type. Nurse Stacy. You like Huey Lewis in the news? The Wolf. 
when sports came out in 83, I think they really came into their own, commercially and artistically. Barky 420. Phil Collins' solo career seems to be more commercial and therefore more satisfying in a narrower way. Especially songs like In the Air Tonight and uh, Against All Odds. Davey Kerr. Hello, Halber Stram. Nice tie. How the hell are you? Total movie recall. Look at that. Picked them up from the printers yesterday. Good coloring. That's bone. PK. And the lettering is something called Cillian Braille. Spencer. Killing Coke or Halcyon. Ooh, I would take a Halcyon. Gale. I have to return some videotapes. If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcast spoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. To do this, one, search for movie spoilers. Two, click on our orange spoilers bowl logo and scroll all the way to the bottom. Three, leave us some stars and some words. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Spoilers is now available on Audible. Be sure to check out Corey's podcast, Big Dumb Movie. And we're back. Before (laughs) Corey gives his pick, we had a couple really nice messages. I'm not going to read them in full. Um, What? We had one from Derbs. I like the Derbs Uh, one. Read them in full. He says, Read okay. it in full. Right. Yeah, they wrote it. What the hell? <laughs> Edit their words, Pat. <laughs> this is from Derbs. Great friend of the podcast. Once again, the best Patreon profile picture in the game, Derbs. Let's go. Preserved. Thank you guys so much. What a great review. Such a fun movie, and I knew Mikey would appreciate the 90-ish minute runtime. This is in reference to surviving the game. It was my first R-rated movie. Mom picked it up at Blockbuster and figured it was time to ingrain my 10-year-old brain with the glory of cheesy action movies. <laughs> I laughed my ass off with you guys this pod. Figured you guys would appreciate it for its breakneck speed, which we talked about, and unintentional comedy. So much cocaine had to be on set. I think we talked about that too, maybe. Huge plus with some of the most 90s movies. Wait, huge plus with some... 90s movies is being shot on location and I just love the setting in this movie. Y'all did great and trivia rocked, Pappy. Loved it. Perfect episode. Was not expecting preserve. Preserved. Keep up the good work, boys. That's this it. This is the last paragraph. No, that's here. it. Alright. I'll give Josh, my yes or no. Uh... Not <laughs> chill, man. One story of Zend out Josh Lebowski, then the other, you're burning down people's tents. We had some family friends that rented a tent to us, burnt and covered in mud. Didn't camp for a few years after that betrayal. (laughs) Josh, you've had plenty of time since we recorded Surviving the Game to make amends to the family whose tent you destroyed and returned. Have you done that That's what he does, though. What do I do? Two of your best friends have stories where you screwed them out of stuff and refused to make it right. (laughs) What was yours, bro? Have you... (laughs) I'm curious now. I'll wait to see if Josh made amends. 
First of all, me and best friend Drew were e- were square. He's still mad about the bike. We're square. Trust me. Bike. Yeah, he well, bought his bike like, and then did. Wait, no, that's for it Brett. 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 It's for a later oh, time. Brett, IU. Josh had to use his bike to go to class and didn't lock it up. It got stolen. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, <laughs> I know this story all too well. Mm, okay. Okay. This is this is a long one from from our good friend Spencer. Hey guys. Thanks for covering the Roar- thanks for covering the Return of the King cartoon. Best money I ever spent. Well, thank you, Spencer. That's so nice. You don't miss anything <laughs> oh by not doing the Hobbit cartoon first. Well, we, do, we will do the Hobbit cartoon someday. The Hobbit cartoon only covers the Hobbit, and there's no explanation for why they jump straight to the end of Return of the King. The <laughs> Hobbit cartoon is cheesy, too, but at least it's a fairly coherent story. Yes, the Return of the King cartoon is ridiculous, especially by today's standards, and it absolutely deserves to be made fun of. How the hell did it ever get green light by anyone in the entertainment industry? How did the Tolkien estate ever get permission for that? Well, I don't think they did. That was the whole thing. But still, I have a nostalgic love for the Return of the King cartoon. Like Mikey and Josh said, prior to the Peter Jackson movies, this was all we had, and I was just happy to have any version of the books that I could watch. I was willing to give their artistic choices a pass. Anyway, great pod. Not quite as legendary as the Passion of the Christ episode, but that's okay. Oh, my God. It was clever... <laughs> How wow. we had at the end, we had Casey Kasem announcing where there's a whip. That was pretty great, Josh. No, that was no, a no. really good, a good edit there at the end of Return of the King, if you haven't heard that. He says, Corey, thanks for the message. I'm glad we're good. Brett, if I haven't fully made peace, reading between the lines of that first smart-ass email I sent, it was actually a backhanded compliment where I was pointing out that you're one of the most valuable members of the team. Wow. And as a listener, hey I tend to have very high expectations. MVP. You're clearly the most knowledgeable person on the pod when it comes to Lord of the Rings. First of all, okay, listen to how Spencer has to kowtow to you, Brett, to satisfy, <laughs> to bury the I hatchet. I forgave him a long time ago. He's cool with me. Okay, he says, you're the most knowledgeable person, and with great power comes great responsibility. Yep, he's right. Even beyond Lord of the Rings, you are... The constantly the one who does great research on the background of whatever's being covered mm. and having you bring facts in the conversation helps the whole pod stay on track besides which you have intelligent and insightful comments you're very thoughtful in your interactions with everyone else and you have a great sense of humor did you write this the Brad? show is with you on it so don't worry brett all of that more than makes up for the mistakes and shocking string of failures you had in the other Return of the King podcast. <laughs> he says, just kidding. Just kidding, dot, 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 jeez. <laughs> One last thing. It takes me a long time to get around to listening sometimes, but I finally listened to the Get Back episode, and I was very, very impressed. Your collective knowledge of the Beatles and their music was amazing. I would love to hear you guys cover any more movies or shows about classic rock bands. Keep up the good work, Spencer. And I just shared a meme to the group thread. He closed his email with a meme of uh, a young woman who looks like she's starring in a very specific type of film with a mouth agape. And the the text of the meme says, when she (laughs) asks for something long and impressive, so you whip this out, and it's the uh, Lord of the Rings DVD set. So great email, (laughs) Spencer. But without further delay, Corey, what will be next week's ish movie game. Spencer needs medicine, my lord. 
<laughs> that was the farthest away that's ever been. Yeah. <laughs> he like left his house for that one. <clears throat> Thank you, Spencer. Thank you to the, for everyone that wrote in. So, as you guys know, I used to be in a cult a long time ago. I'm happy to say now that I am uh, not connected to any religious organization, but during my years within this cult, there is one thing that has that I've kind of like hung on to, never really let it go, and that is a movie that somehow this cult got made. It's a movie called Battlefield Earth. So what I'm going to pick when I next host a spoilers episode is the movie based on the L. Ron Hubbard novel, Battlefield Earth. It's one of the biggest pieces of shit of all time, and I've watched it so many times. It's just funny to put on. When I was a kid, I loved it. Now I hate it. But you know what? I hate it in that good way. So that's the one I pick. Do we need to worry? Like, are we... We might get, like, docs a time or two, you know. And we're not going to be killed, right? No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. <laughs> I mean, other people have talked about Battlefield Earth, right? I mean, just to let you know, I'm strapped. That's been potted on. I'm strapped at all times, so... But no one that has escaped, Mikey. We're going to be the first in that way. We're all looking forward to that Scientology bump <laughs> in place. Thank you for playing this episode. Thank you for listening. That was Spoilers. It's, it's Spoiler man. Want to help me pick? I have some options. Yay! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, powder. Battlefield Earth. Ooh! But I've been waiting to do that when I have it on my DVR. <laughs> How long is that though? Battlefield Earth is ridiculously long. I think, if I remember correctly, it's like two hours forty five minutes. I oh, knew God. that. What? <laughs> wait, one fifty nine. If I just Google search it, maybe oh, okay. the director's cut. It is just longer, feels but... long, then. One hour fifty-eight. Yep. Um, nice. Smoke signals, which is like a, just an actual good regular non non big dumb movie. Um, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Oh, bogus! All right. Uh, the nineteen ninety four Jungle Book. Oh, with uh, Jason Scott Lee. Jason Lee. Yeah. Escape from Tomorrow. I don't know what that is. Sneakers. Yeah, I think it's between those ones. I weirdly want to do smoke signals. Let me see. Six point seven six point seven million dollar budget. Yeah, but no, no, no. Two million dollar budget has a nine on meta. Has a nine meta score. 
See, I kind of want Battlefield Earth. I, I want to do it eventually, but but Corey threw out a two million dollar budget indie movie. My vote would be for Battlefield Earth. Me too. I'm telling you guys, smoke signals. We don't want to let Corey do a big numb movie on our podcast. <laughs> Shush. <laughs> well, he's the one that said something like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> what? That was spoilers.